Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. I heard a preacher one time, I heard him say recently, open your Bible or open your phone. Uh, to turn to a certain verse. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9 in your Bible is where I want you to turn. I want you to get your sermon notes out and we're going to jump into this thing. I love how Kelly talked about expectation. We need to have expectation. We need to be ready to learn. Because guys, I'm not here to entertain you. Hopefully there'll be a little, it will be somewhat entertaining at times. And a lot of times that's, accidental uh so we should be have joy and it should be you know life-giving and fun but guys i'm here to train you this is like college except college for the kingdom this is for you to grow this is not just for you to be entertained because you have a mission you have an assignment i don't know how many days you have left in your assignment this is like military this is tour of duty this is this is you are an assignment Um, And some of you need to find out about your assignment. Some of you need to be reminded of your assignment. But we all have a certain number of days. And so when we start coming in in our weeks to, to church and to the house of God, the house of God should be a training center. And that's why I give you notes and I take time to write through notes and do stuff so you can look at it through the rest of the week. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not in the word the rest of the week, you're already behind. You're already behind because it's not like go to church and just check it off my list and go do my thing. I want to train you and empower you so that you can start implementing and applying uh, and appropriating these truths of the king and the kingdom of God into your everyday life. So that things will change. And so uh, with that in mind, I want to do two things. First thing I want you to do, and this is just to kind of like just test you a little bit. So we'll see if you pass the first test. Would you please stand to your feet? Now, if you're grumpy, you already failed the first test. If you're grumpy, you already failed the first test. So just open your hands and heart before the Lord. And let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for your truth. Your word is truth. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Your mercy is new every morning. You are good, God. You are taking the bad things in our life And you are working them out for good as we love you and are called according to your purpose. So we take ourselves out of the center and we put you rightly upon the throne of our heart. We're here to serve you. We're here to know you. We're here to learn of you. We're here to celebrate and glorify and magnify you. We're here to be trained, God, for the life and the ministry you've called us to to the reason you put us in this earth, in this city, in this time, the call upon each of our lives. God, we we come today ready to hear, understand, and obey because we believe you have a purpose for our life. And so help us grow, help us learn, and help us fulfill that call in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, before you sit down, be nice to three or four people, knuckles, high five, handshake, something, and say, I'm so glad you came. All right. For some of you, that was torturous. I respect that. But I appreciate your courage of stepping up. Um, For some of you, you're like, yeah, I love talking to people. That's awesome. You need to remember to just chill. Uh, There is a phone, this phone. Anybody missing a phone? Anybody missing this phone? I think it was left in the women's bathroom. Who is it? It's yours? Well, hang on a second. Let me just check a few things. Hang on a second. Let me see what kind of to-do list you have on here for Glenn. (laughs) I'll delete. 
Delete. Delete. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. So get your sermon notes out. Let's jump into this thing. So we, last week we talked about kingdom and building the kingdom. At the end of every service, you hear me pray and declare over you and over your family the blessing of the Lord. And, and then I tell you about go build the kingdom all week. That's meaningful to me. It's, I don't just waste words. There's other times I waste words, but when I'm saying that, I don't waste words. Uh, it's meaningful to me that you, that you would go build the kingdom, that I would go build the kingdom, that we would go build the kingdom. Imagine the privilege that God has given us to go build his kingdom. Jesus builds the church, but the church builds the kingdom. And the church is never the building. I thank God for this building. Because I remember when we was in a warehouse called the Purple Palace, but that sounded like another kind of institution we ain't going to talk about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> we're already going the wrong direction. We're already going the wrong direction. Uh, <laughs> so it's the Church is never the building, and I thank God for the building. The church is the people that Jesus is building. How many of you say, the Lord's building me? Yeah, that's good. So it's just this thing he's building. And so last week we talked about Israel and how the nation of Israel is a megaphone. Go watch the whole sermon last week because I said some passionate things because we have to be careful in our day and time that as we stand for truth, we don't get distracted into the lie. We gotta be, we gotta be on target. We we it's what a time, what a privilege it is to be the church of the living God. We gotta make sure that that our our passion is not polluted by secondary issues. And so we talked last week about that, and I talked about mega. Uh, and a mega mission with that mega phone, a mega mission is make evangelism great again. I want to just unpack that a little bit. And I told you last week, some of you had offended and some are not here because I said that. Some decided to go to another church because I said what I said. And so I'm the first, if, I, over, if my passion goes beyond my wisdom, which happens quite a bit, I'm the first to back it up and say, I messed up, I'm sorry. And you guys are gracious to help a pastor out, okay? But I didn't miss it last week. I didn't miss it last week. Because what's big, so I don't want a MAGA mission, I want a mega mission. And a mega mission is evangelism. Evangelism is the highest call. So the definition of evangelism, for those who don't know, right there on your page, is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It's not just a thing or, or a, a principle. Evangelism is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle of proclaiming the good news and goodness of the king and his kingdom to the lost and leading them by grace through faith into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a basic, simple definition of evangelism. It is declaring, it is proclaiming that, that goodness and good news. And it's a lifestyle. That means we have to learn to walk in this lifestyle of evangelism. And it's, 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 there is no greater privilege than to walk in this kind of lifestyle. Every one of us, not just the pastor, but all of us should walk in this lifestyle. Maybe you're, you're a lawyer or a doctor or a, a school teacher. Maybe you're stay at home. I don't know. What, it doesn't matter what you do. You should be doing this in everything that you do. Not like, not like coming out and being all churchy and being all religious and, and trying to, to do this in a, in a, a religious minded way or a denominational way that's not effective. You do it stealth. You do it like a kingdom agent, like, you know, like Jason Bourne got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now going to start serving the kingdom. That's how you do that. And it's, it's stealth. It's not, you know, making everybody conform to your ideas. That's not how we, that's not how we do this. 
And, and so, so the thing about to the lost, the lost is somebody who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he's not your Lord and Savior, you are lost. There's only two types of people on this planet, the lost and the found, the saved and the unsaved, the believers and the unbelievers. Only two kinds of people. And there are people who are lost who try to be spiritual. They're still lost. They're still lost. But here's the thing about something that's lost. Anything that's lost. For example, let me think if I can think of an example. Let me, let me, let me, Terry Peeler lost her phone. <laughs> so that phone had tremendous value because it was lost. Now, she didn't like it when the pastor of the church picked up the phone and said, who lost it? But the reality is anything and anyone that is lost has tremendous value. And we cannot fulfill evangelism if the people who are lost, if we don't see their value. And so we have to see this because then what happens is this goodness and good news of God is a revelation to the lost, but it should be a reminder to those who are found. And sometimes we need a reminder of the revelation that it's his kingdom we're building. His goodness, his gospel. And so the goal of evangelism is discipleship. And I know some of you are hearing some of these words and it's like, what's discipleship and, and stuff? I don't have time to really unpack that. But discipleship is, is, is you being a disciplined student and, 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 and follower of Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. And you're walking in this, like in business world, you call it an apprentice. And the goal of a disciple is the, the next one, the goal of discipleship is evangelism. So it's like this cycle and this, this circuit that begins to happen is evangelism is going out to the lost, teaching and, and preaching and sharing the good news of God so that people would not just get saved but become disciples. Because here's the deal, there's, and I didn't write this on your notes, but, but there's three, three basic functioning levels in the kingdom of God. You can write this on the side somewhere. The first is a believer. You first become a believer. So like, I'm going to pick on Eric. Eric, bring your notes and bring everything up here. Come sit right here. This is going to be your seat. Come sit right here. This is Eric Ziegler. Eric Ziegler. Um, he, he's saved. He started coming to this church uh, a, a while back, and then him and his wife started coming, and, and God's doing a work in them. Uh, God's been doing the work the whole time, but there came a time when Eric started working too. He was in church, but not working with God. He was kind of just in church. And, and probably getting a little bit mad at Pastor John of why his life wasn't changing because he was coming to church. <laughs> and, and so the reality is, is that when, when Eric got born again, Eric came out of the dominion of darkness, came into the kingdom of God because he was born again. He was born this cute little boy the first time. And then he was born again by the Spirit of God. He was born again. And being born again, he becomes a child of God. Then he made a decision even after being born again. So the first level is a believer. As a believer, you're born again. You put faith in Jesus Christ. You're a believer, but you could be a babe. And some of y'all know this intellectually, but you're not living it functionally. And you won't be so bored intellectually when you start applying the things functionally in your life. And so he was a believer. Then there came a point. I remember it. I remember watching it and seeing it, praying for it, and had the privilege to help pour into him and, and, and help mentor him a little bit. And now watch him on all the stuff that he's doing. But he became a disciple. So a believer becomes a disciple. And a disciple is someone who starts working and partnering with God, like a business partner. And you're saying, God, I, you're Lord, I believe you, but I'm coming in and I'm going to start aligning my life to this truth and stop talking about it, start walking about it. And so he started making these changes and it was a process, didn't happen overnight, and it's still a process. So the believer starts functioning as a disciple and now I've seen this in his life, he's now functioning in the third level, which is an ambassador. An ambassador for Christ, because Jesus is king and he's, he's, he's king over a kingdom and so we talked last week about we are kingdom Americans as Christians. We are kingdom Americans. We're not Americans. So we're not trying to, we're trying to build everything we do as kingdom first. Seek, seek first the kingdom of God. Because when you stand before Jesus, what you did to build America won't mean jack. 
What you did to build the kingdom will stand forever. And so Eric was a believer, thank God, who started functioning as a disciple, finally. And then who starts operating as an ambassador. An ambassador is a disciple maker. Who's representing the king, who's living a life of evangelism for the purpose of discipleship and then discipleship for the purpose of evangelism. And just in case I want to pick on you more, stay right there. So John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said this. This is, this is um, on the evening of when he was resurrected. So this is the resurrected king coming back into a locked room where his disciples were, and this is what he said to them. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's not a separate mission. It's not a separate calling. As the Father sent me from heaven to earth, I send you. The problem is the church has lost the intimacy of hearing the Lord say, as the Father sent me, not I send John and I send other people you look up to, but Eric, I send you. And see, this is the great co-mission. It's a partnership. And I'm telling you right now, in all eternity, in all eternity, there is nothing that there is nothing greater that you can give your life to than the Great Commission. There's nothing greater. And we have a generation that's wanting to change the world, right some wrongs, do whatever. The greatest wrong that needs to be righted is the sin that came into the world. And in all eternity, there is nothing greater, no greater call, no greater thing that you can devote your life to than the Great Commission. Now, how you do it, how you do it as a business leader, as a doctor, as a lawyer, how you do it can be, can be different. But we all have a call. Matthew 9. I told you to take me a minute to get there. Matthew 9, verse 35. Let's look at this. Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw, somebody say he saw, the multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then it's like he turned and said to his disciples, who by the way he's calling to be apostles, which means they're ambassadors, the harvest Truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What he's saying, guys, is when I see the crowd, I'm telling you the harvest is plentiful, but we don't have enough people who see what I see. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Whose harvest is it? His. So verse 35, what I want you to see on your notes is notice the teaching, preaching, and healing. The ministry that Jesus was sent out to do had three major elements. A lot of sub-elements that we could talk to, but since we got to get to Cracker Barrel, I want to tell you the three major ones. Teaching, preaching, and healing. That means physically, emotionally, all of it. That's part of his message. He was sent to do that. Guess who's else sent to do that? So teaching, you see a definition right there. Empowering others to learn the knowledge of God according to the Scripture. Circle that word Scripture. Because it's not just knowledge of, of best practices. It's not just knowledge of human goodness or human wisdom. It's knowledge of God according to the Scriptures. By instructing, imparting, which you can't do without relationship, 
and directing, which you can't do without relationship, disciples. And here's why that's important. You cannot instruct, impart, and direct somebody who's not disciplined. Those of you who are believers but not disciples, you won't walk out what I'm talking about right now. That's why I've committed my heart to teach to you as disciples every Sunday morning and not just believers. Now, some of you can go from lost to believer to discipleship all in one service. Because you made that level of commitment. I'm done what I've been doing. I'm tired of that. I'm sick of it. It's brought me nowhere. So, Jesus, I trust you. I give my life to you. And at the same time, you're committed to walk this out and follow Jesus. So you can go from lost to disciple like that. Or you can stay lost. Or you can stay somebody, well, I believe, and when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I hope so. I want to see you there. But we got to walk in this thing. And so a teaching, uh, a teacher is, is limited to the, the, the student wanting to receive. And that's the disciple. Uh, and I love this. Uh, so in directing disciples in a lifestyle of, what do you think that word? Oh, it's probably already up there. Ah! A lifestyle of, see, some of us would have said knowledge, understanding. No, it's a lifestyle of obedience. Obedience to God according to the knowledge of his will and his word in the scriptures. Obedience. That's what discipleship, that's what teaching is. The, the point of teaching is for the application and, 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 and transformation that comes by obedience. And then preaching is to publicly, passionately proclaim, announce, declare, and demonstrate the goodness and good news of the king and his kingdom. Demonstrate means it shows up in your life. Shows up in your life. You, you pray for people. You see God heal. You see God set free. You see God encourage. You see God uh, correct. And correct somebody who's going the wrong direction to start going the right direction. All that happens with preaching and, and teaching. So if you flip over on your notes, verse 36. Then he saw, it's this thing about he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. What moves us? First of all, whatever you see is part of what moves you. So some of you, the reason why you keep, you keep being moved in the wrong direction and to the wrong things is because you keep looking at the wrong thing. So your sight determines your flight. And we get our eyes off of Jesus, that's why we no longer move towards him. And so what has to happen is, Lord, fix my eyes. Let my eyes return to you, Lord. And then, and then when I have your, when I see you clearly, you help me see clearly. And he saw the multitudes with a God-centered vision, not a political vision, not a fleshly distorted vision of any kind. One culture looking at another culture through the lens of their culture. And you dishonor that other culture because you're looking at it through the lens of your culture. But the kingdom is above every culture. So when you look at any culture with a kingdom lens, you'll see the, you'll see the sin in that culture and the God-given potential in that culture. And so what ends up happening is God helped me to see. So he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. And here's some different translations that I put there for you. Because they were weary and scattered. That's what we already read. New Living Translation, confused and helpless. The NIV, they were harassed and helpless. Who were they harassed by? Demonic powers. Distressed and downcast. Who are they being distressed by? Demonic powers. Well, pastor, I talked to them and I asked them. They said they, didn't, they, weren't, they, they were not influenced at all by demons. Well, of course, and that's what you said when you used to be, but you didn't think you were. They were dispirited and distressed. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So here we are with a shepherd, Judging people without a shepherd, 
We don't even judge ourselves, examine our own life with accuracy. But now suddenly we're somebody looking at somebody else. Jesus didn't see that when he saw the crowd. He saw their reality. He saw that they are like sheep without a shepherd. And when, he, when this is talked about, it's quoting from Numbers chapter 27. You can go read that on your own. I don't have time to preach it. It's a whole other sermon, but it's bad to the bone. But Jesus was, he was quoting from the Old Testament, which is vital. It's vital to go back and read those scriptures. And then verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. New Living Translation says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And then he ended with, therefore, pray. Somebody say pray. The Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I'm going to tie this all together here just in a minute with Eric. Um, so it's to, it's to send. Yeah, does it not have send out up there? Oh, yeah, no, it does. Cool. Send out. Uh, laborers in his harvest. So here's what you need to know about Jesus. Hebrews 7.25 talks about the, the ministry. I, the whole book of Hebrews talks about the kingdom, eternal, priestly ministry of our high priest, Jesus Christ. And then, and then it talks about, it compares that priestly ministry with the Old Testament priesthood. And then it shows us our place in this eternal priesthood. And what he says here about Jesus, our king, our high priest, is therefore he, meaning Jesus, is able. Ooh, boy, circle that word, able. He's able. Tell somebody next to you, he's able. To save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede before them. What does intercession look like? Let me, let me show you. Intercession is God, I'm a representative of God. I come to represent God to Eric. And I come and I preach the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel. God loves you. You are sick. You are, you are a sinner. You are messed up. And, and, and you need to realize your weaknesses and your flaws because what you are unable to do, he already did for you and he loves you. He knows how jacked up you are, but he loves you. You know, he knows how messed up you are. I have a hint, but he loves you. And he's changed my life because I was more messed up than you. And so I'm coming to Eric as a representative of heaven, as an intercessor who's coming to share with Eric that I was worse than you. That I was just like you, not what's wrong with you. And then I begin to intercede. I begin to pray, God, I thank you. And intercession is not, God, I know you don't like Eric. I know you don't want Eric in heaven, but he, you want me in heaven. But I know you don't want Eric in heaven, but God, he's a really good guy. Please, if he's with me, if he's with me, can he come to heaven, God? Please. That's not intercession. Intercession is me coming in. See, that's fake intercession, which is you thinking God does not want Eric in heaven, so you're trying to turn God's will to your will because you're such a great person. But true intercession is I'm coming into agreement with the king and from day one, he's loved Eric more than, he's, more than I have. And so from day one, it's God, I'm coming into agreement with your will and your heart for Eric. And I'm coming into agreement with you about him. And then through that partnership, we begin to do air warfare through intercession, declaring the will of God and the word of God over Eric. So that the, the blindness, the deception and darkness of the spiritual powers and work that are at work over his mind to keep him blinded from the gospel of Jesus Christ, those through that air warfare, uh, God and me in agreement. So God is, is the bullet. My mouth is the gun. And we begin to tear down these strongholds that are trying to, to destroy his life so that he would begin to hear, see, and know how, much, how good God is and how much God loves him. And how God wants to, he loves him enough to reach him where he is, but loves him enough to lead him out of that lifestyle. And so that's intercession. Jesus lives. What's he live for? He lives for worship. 
He lives for offering. He lives for, no, He lives for intercession. He lives to call those that are, that are separated from Him and have been, have been uh, uh, kidnapped by the enemy. He lives to have all of His Father's abandoned children brought home. What do you live for? The mentality of, well, I'm already home. I'm already saved. I'm in church. And if they wanted to be with Jesus, they could come. Now, there's a part to say that in discipleship of if you want some, come get some. I can't waste time on someone who's not going to apply it. There's a part to say that in discipleship, but not in intercession. You don't ever give up in intercession. And you start calling them out. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, what is the blank? Here I am, send me. So this is Isaiah seeing the glory of the Lord. He's coming into the throne room of the Lord in this amazing prophetic time. And he sees the Lord, you know, high and lifted up in the train of his robe, filling the temple. And he's sitting here. And notice, notice what happens. Notice what happens in this, that he sees the Lord. And then he hears, he hears, he hears the Lord. He hears the heart of the Lord. Who will go for us? There's a trinity right there. Who will go for us? And then Isaiah, hearing that, is like he gets a revelation and his heartbeat cries out and says, Here I am. Send me. See, what's the greatest example of uh, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers? What's the greatest example of pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. It's Isaiah 6, 8. He's praying, here I am, send me. And those two, those two statements are huge. Because here I am speaks to presence and speaks to relationship. See, it's, it's here. Here I am in your presence, God. Here I am, the train of your robe fills the temple. Here I am in your presence. But also, see, it's a twofold nature, two-sided coin of here. The here I am, I'm, I'm in the heavenly places with Christ. So here I am in your presence, oh God, but you know what? In my spirit, I'm with you, but in my body, I'm with them. So it's a twofold word. Here I am with you. And notice the, gosh, notice the two-dimensional, two-sided coin of here. Because in the Spirit, we are, we are here, like present tense there. The present tense form of we're there in the presence of God means here. Like here, right now, I am there. Now, and also, also, I'm not there, I'm here. So we live in this earth, this earth in a time of assignment, in a time of mission, like, some, like a soldier being sent off to Afghanistan, a tour of duty that we are, we are there and we are here. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. There will be a time that we are no longer here because we are fully there. And our assignment is over. And there was a time when we were fully here and not there. Because we didn't know the Lord. But as a believer, as a disciple, as an ambassador of Christ, with a mega mission on your life, on your business, on your family, when you say, here I am, Lord, what you are saying is, I am there and I am here. So, Lord, I am in your presence, and I want your presence to lead me in their presence. I represent you. And then he says, so here I am, send me. That send me is, is the call. 
And that's where, that's where every one of us need to hear the Lord call you into this. And the first prayer of pray the Lord of the harvest is not you praying for other people to get off their blessed assurance and go do something. The first call of prayer for pray the Lord of the harvest is for you to say, here I am, send me. Send me where? Send me where I already are. I'll say it a more English way that Sarah loves for me to talk this way. Send me where I already is. Not send me to Africa. I say this all the time in Discovery. As a, as a disciple of Christ, you can pray about going on a foreign mission trip if you want to. You can pray about going on a mission trip if you want to. But the truth is, you are already on one. You are on mission. You are on a mega mission to make disciples through evangelism. That you, that you say, send me, that when you go to work, you don't, you're not just, it's not like I went to work, I was sent to work. And every day when you show up, well, the boss is this. You're not looking at it from a worldly perspective. You're looking at it from a heavenly perspective. You're not looking at it from a selfish perspective. I just don't like this place. You're not looking at it from a sense of entitlement. And a sense of why doesn't this place recognize me? You're not at the center. You are on mission. Imagine a soldier. I, I don't know how it is today. I hope it's not this way, but I can't imagine. I spent time in the military four years, uh, and I can't imagine going out on mission and telling my first sergeant or telling my, my command sergeant major, uh, hang on a second, hang on a second. I don't like this mission. There's not a Chick-fil-A. Where, these, I'm, these MRI, MREs and stuff, I don't, where's the Chick-fil-A? And I don't really start my day till 9. And I don't know, I don't think so. Imagine. It doesn't happen that way. And then, I don't, you know, a person that, and then, oh, I want a medal. I want a medal. And God forbid we ever have a military where oh, everybody's a winner. Everybody get the Medal of Honor. But some of y'all think that's how the kingdom is. But our king one day is going to say to some of us, well done my good and faithful servant. But if you, if your boss, if your spouse, if those who are close to you, if your pastor, if your leaders in your life can't say of you, well done, good and faithful servant, what in the world makes you think Jesus is going to say it to you? I'm here to train you, not entertain you. Because you are on mission. You are in the battle now. Why do you go through all the fights that you go through? Because you are a kingdom agent of God who has forgotten who they were. You think the battles are about you. You got to reprioritize your life and say, oh, you trying to come against my king. Oh, I got this. I got this. We got some armor for you. We got some anointing for you. We got some preaching and some teaching and some healing for you. We got some stuff because we ain't going to give up because this ain't our home. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's treasure that's hidden in places of darkness, and we're not here to judge them. So the problem with the church is instead of getting to a spirit of intercession, we've come into a spirit of, of uh, suspicion and a critical spirit over those who are lost. And we come into agreement with the enemy over the sin in their life instead of the agreement with our king over the intercession of their life. And we begin to believe they're not worth being saved. They're not worth developing a relationship with to lead them into truth. We just throw truth at them at the beginning and say, if you want relationship with Jesus, you got to come this way. Instead of us coming right alongside them. But we've got to be careful when we come alongside of them, we can't be affirming their lie. We have to be affirming his love, which leads them out of the lie into the truth.
Oh my goodness. Your homework is to read John chapter 4, verse 34 and 38. That's your homework, to go read that. I want the worship team to come up, but I just want to say a couple things. Normally, I've been doing the tithe and offerings at this point, but because of what I want to do right now, I'm just going to push that back. There's certain times where there's certain things I want to do as we go into a time of worship. So some of you, if you have to leave or whatever, there's, there's tithe slots and giving slots out by the front door. Uh, and I pray your offering is so fat it doesn't fit through the slot. I pray your check is so big you need a back brace. Because <laughs> if you can give at that level, then you live in pretty well. Anyways. <laughs> Eric, don't look at me like that. <laughs> so, but I want to speak this to us because we do right now in this season, we may not always do it this way, but we do teaching at first and we respond in worship. And so the response is to give you time to take this word and truth and put it all down inside and begin to say, yes, Lord. Some of you today are going to have this thing of here. I, here I am, Lord, send me. Some of you are going to say, here I am, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. Some of you have been running from God and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've gone to church, you've done whatever, but you've never humbled yourself and surrendered your life to Christ. Well, pastor, why would I have to come up and do it publicly? Because Jesus died for you publicly. And every time he made a call, every time he made a call, that most times he made a call in that community, it was public to the crowds saying, come to me. And see, if that scares you, you need to break that fear in a room like this, because if you can break that fear in this room, you can break it in any room. And so I'll use Eric as an example. Eric used to be far from God, but then he, he started hearing the gospel. Different people preached into his life. Some, some sowed seeds from years ago into his life. See, you're either a sower, a waterer, or a reaper. And we enter in what John 4 talks about is the harvest is, is ready, it's ripe, the harvest is great. And so somebody used to look at Eric's life and they didn't see harvest. They saw a whore. But somebody began to see, ooh, there's a harvest. Been sowing seeds, been speaking. And, and they, didn't, they didn't reject Eric because he didn't, he didn't grow immediately. and He didn't turn and repent immediately. They just kept sowing seeds. Others came along and watered those seeds. And one day somebody came through and reaped a harvest. And they thought, man, Eric got saved because I just led him to the Lord perfectly. No, this has been a work in progress. And that person entered into another man's labor. And so then Eric comes into the kingdom and now there's this harvest. But what happens is we have to be like Jesus when we see people like Eric, individuals, groups of Ericites, and a whole community of people. We need to look at them and be, we need to see them. We don't need to see, we don't need to see their titles and their labels. We don't even need to see their lifestyles. Because we will judge the book by the cover, but we all know the book's already judged. We're not here to judge the book. We're here to save it. And so coming into this, coming into this process of, I see Eric underneath all those false labels that he think is him, but I know it's really not him. It's a false, earthly, distorted label. But the king helps me to see him, and the him that I see through the king's eyes is worth saving. And he's lost. And so I begin to intercede. I begin to intercede. I'm moved with compassion. I'm moved with compassion to build a relationship and speak truth. And then when he begins to repent, now the relationship turns into a different way. Now the relationship comes and he repents and he gets up. He gets up. Takes him a minute, but he gets up. And as he gets up and we start walking in the word. Open your Bible, please. Just anywhere. It doesn't matter. And we start walking in the word and we're teaching and we're growing in this relationship and we're moving down the road and we're going and he's further from his past and he's closer to his destiny because we're walking in this discipleship. We're being moved with compassion. Taking a harvest and turning him into a harvester. And we're moved with compassion. Until we finally go send him out. 
the harvest has become the harvester to harvest. Who have you harvested? Well, Pastor John, I'm not a pastor. That's why we call you Pastor John. You've been lied to. You have a mega mission on your life. And what breaks my heart is I've seen more people more passionate about a MAGA mission than a mega mission. And what I just want to see in my own life and in our life is through a mega mission, how do we stand for truth? We're never supposed to not stand for truth. Never do we not stand for truth. And what would happen if we just got off Facebook and stopped trying to change the social world and started just talking to people flesh and blood? Who's the Eric in your life? Build a relationship. Don't throw something out there on Facebook. You don't have a relationship to back it up. Things are misunderstood. And then reaction after reaction after reaction and everyone's distracted. Our mission is people. And so what I want to do is this. Just like last week, I had a time of repentance. And then we'll open up the altars. After this moment, we'll open up the altars for anyone who needs to give their life to Jesus in a few minutes. And then in a little bit, we'll receive tithes and offerings. But if you're here and again, you sense the Lord lighting a fire for your mega mission to say, I want to be a harvester. Even if you're brand new, like, like Jeff, you're incredible, man. You're incredible. I know you've got issues. You know, they know you got issues. Yeah, but you are incredible, man. Your, your humility, your willingness to learn, your willingness to grow, your commitment. There's probably a billion other things you could be doing right now. You're probably tired. Probably want to sleep in. Everybody asking you to do this or do that or cook this or cook that. But God's doing something in your heart. He's doing something in your life. And you're part of the harvest that has been found, has value. But you're also a harvester. And you're going to spend the rest of your days going into fields that I'm not even allowed. And harvesting in a place where my feet will never go. But the Lord will use you there. And then you'll bring them some back into this place and we'll begin to, and if we all do that, we'll begin to come and celebrate the harvest as if this was like a mini glimpse of heaven. He's going to use you to do that. He's going to use all y'all. Deja, you just crazy. I ain't going to talk to you. But to grow and to learn. So if you're here and you see, that's my heart. That's my heart and I want to grow in that. Maybe some of you need to repent a little and maybe some of you need to repent a lot. But if that's your heart, I want you to come up because I want to pray over you. I just want to pray over the whole group. That's you all come stand up here. If you're like, that's my heart. I really want that. Because this is a battle. This is a battle of souls. It's not a battle of policy. It's not a battle of politics. Politics. It's not a battle of any other. It's a battle of souls. And the enemy wants you to think it's another battle. It's not a battle of nations. It's not a battle of money. It's a battle of souls. It's a battle of souls. You can gain the whole world lose your own soul and we can have a government just the way we like it and lose souls 
problem is some of us think if we do a government a certain way, well, then souls will come. No, souls will come when you align your life to the Great Commission. And this is a battle and he doesn't lose. And we need to be willing to say, here I am, send me. And that pride would be broken and that his compassion would come within us. So through this time of worship, or at least this first song, I want you to stay here and I want you to worship as a harvester. I just want to pray over you first. Father, you see those who've responded saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, you see them, God. And I pray that the oil of your presence and the power of your presence would so illuminate over their life that they would see you more clearly, they would hear you more clearly, and any fog and any darkness that has blinded or deceived or distorted them that have gotten in the way, in Jesus' name, I remove that fog and I declare an open heaven over their heart, an open heaven over their life, God, that they would hear you, that they would sense you, they would know you've always been near. Let there be an intimacy there, God. And I pray your presence rise up within them, not just around them. Rise up in them. I pray the fire and power of your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Spirit, God. Let your power rise upon them, God. I thank you that you ignite them. You shield them. You protect them. You heal the wounded heart. Heal the wounded soldier. Heal them. And I pray the armor of God would be upon them as they fight for souls, as they harvest souls. And I pray you give them wisdom to know how to answer those in the world who have questions. Give them love, give them compassion, and give them truth. Help them, God. Help them, God. I pray an outpouring of your spirit. I pray a brokenness in a building. And I pray a time of refreshing from your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. For this first song, stay here and just worship the Lord as a harvester. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.